Lord, thank you that you've spoken to us already, Lord God. Thank you that you are here, Lord God, and uh, by your spirit, you want to hover and brood over each one of us. And for those who are not here, Lord God, the members of this, your body, Lord God, your ecclesia, Lord God, your called out ones. And uh, Lord, we say, Holy Spirit, we rely upon you to uh, open the eyes of our understanding, to tenderize our hearts this morning, Lord God, to speak directly, not to our heads, but to our hearts, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, we will be a people who will not look in the mirror and see what we look like and go away and forget, but that we'll be hearers and doers of your word for already what you've spoken, Lord God, and anything else you're going to say through me. Lord, we give you the glory and we pray, come, build your body, Lord, build your church, build your ecclesia, build your bride, make us, Lord, beautiful and glorious, Lord God, so that we might represent you fully as you are, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I just uh, thank you, body, for speaking this morning. For the, the, If I miss anybody out, I apologize, but for the prophecy of uh, Andrea gave out about... <coughs> I'm sorry, I've had a cough for two months and my wife's going to smother me, she said. So if I don't come next week, please phone the police. Um, <coughs> do you, basically, God is saying, we profess to so many things and there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But the, the question from God was, do you? When we sing these songs, when we profess these things, do you? The, ask, the question is, do you? And uh, I am under that microscope this morning. I am under that magnifying glass. I'm under that light of God. And the question is to me, and, uh, and, and Tom, we are at a crossroads. Uh, and we do need to stir ourselves up. And these are heady days. I feel awestruck this morning. I feel so... Uh, Delicate, if you will. You know, sometimes we can tell jokes and entertain from the pulpit. And, and that's, if, that's our personality and character. Maybe there's nothing wrong with that as such. But I really do want the word of God under the anointing of his spirit to come and pierce our hearts this morning. It has to be him. And, uh, and sometimes we get very religious and we say, oh God, all of you. And this morning God said, you give it your all and I'll give it my all. So my personality might get in the way, and I apologize, but I feel so in a place that it is so important that we listen. It is so important that we respond. These are big days. What God is saying to us is, you can't put English words on it, can you? They are vital days. These are ears and hearts that must respond to him it's an awesome thing to fall into the hands of the living God and we play around with this thing called Christianity and uh, I don't want to get over serious this morning uh, we've got visitors from all over the place from the Philippines and all over and I don't want to scare you off <laughs> God is in the house and God is doing stuff a couple of uh, Prayer meetings ago, Rob came into the 
meeting and said, uh, and this might mean different things to each one of us. <coughs> Excuse me. We are stuck as a church. And uh, that might mean different things to different people. And if you're not stuck and if you're firing on all cylinders and really going for it and, and, and doing the business, then all I can ask you is to pray for me. Thank you. <laughs> and pray for us. But I do believe there's a general word from what God has been saying today that we are stuck. And as Ernie said, the people in heaven, they were more enthusiastic. We are stuck. And when Rob said that, I said, listen, can I preach soon? Because the Lord has been speaking to me about some of these same things that I believe Rob had caught. And sometimes it's hard to articulate the fire in your belly, isn't it? You can't put words on it. So Holy Spirit is not important. He's absolutely vital that we all catch the fire that might be in my belly, that I've got the, the job, if you will, to try and articulate that to you. So, the title of this sermon is, and I don't know how you're going to put this on the title, but this is what God gave me. Business as usual. Really? Business as usual. Really? Do we really want business as usual? Thank God I'm in the right place. You know, some of us, some of us are feeling quite, I don't know what you're feeling. I, only, I move in small circles. <clears throat> and some of us are feeling pain and frustration. It makes it worse, Val. Uh, some of us are feeling stuff on the inside. I believe we are feeling birth pangs. We are feeling pain. It might, it might, you might articulate it as... Kingsway, it's blinking, it's oh, yeah. all kinds of different things on the inside. I want to encourage you to stick with the pain. Did you come to church for that this morning? I want you to stick with the pain, stick with the agitation, stick with the, the, the movement that's going on in your soul, in your spirit, in your heart, <coughs> excuse me, between your ears. Whatever's going on where you're feeling disgruntled, disappointed, maybe disenfranchised, maybe you're feeling a lot of dis at the moment. But God is in this house to do something new. I've got one in. Thank you. I'm going to take a swig of water because everybody's offering me water. <laughs> Business as usual? Really? Really? Is this as good as it gets? Really? Now, I'm not critical or negative or anything about this church at all. It's not in my heart. But if this is as good as it gets, really? <laughs> really? You know, <laughs> Christ and Him crucified. If, if we have a vision of him crucified and what that cost him, and this is as good as it gets, really? You know, in comparison 
I told you last time I preached, I have this picture here on my left-hand side, and it's a joy, and it breaks my heart, and it makes me laugh, and it makes me sing, and it makes me dance, and it makes me fall to my face as well. He is crucified, and we're feeling birth pangs. And I'm sorry if this concept is alien to you, but we are stuck. We are stuck. You might call it Groundhog Day. You might call it status quo. You may say we're in a rut. I had a picture in one of the prayer meetings a couple of weeks ago, or a week ago, of a merry-go-round. And you know you can sit on a horse on a merry-go-round, and you can have motion, you can have turning, you can have bright lights, and something goes on and something happens. But how many of you know it's not the same as sitting on a real horse? I've only sat on a horse twice. And the scary things, they're independent. They, they sort of give way to me by, almost by choice. And any time, I, I felt like I needed a parachute. I was 20 foot off the ground. I had this big beast I was sitting under. And it just wanted to do what it wanted. I couldn't control it when it wanted a piece of grass over there and I'm tugging. It just, do you understand what I'm saying? There's, there's no comparison to a merry-go-round and sitting on a wild stallion. And that's a terrible analogy of the Holy Spirit. But I wanted it to stir up something in you that we can go round to pretty music. And, and bright lights and have a, have a lovely time and sing lovely songs. And we'll, in another year, we'll be here at the same place, doing the same thing, that's called insanity. And we'll, the insanity part of it is that we expect different results by doing the same thing. That's insanity. That's absolute nonsense. We are stuck. I am stuck. <laughs> you are stuck, maybe. And in some senses, you might say to me, well, nothing, nothing ever does stay the same. Because we grow old, we get decrepit, and we die. That's what I wanted. I wanted some of. I want to goad you this morning. I want to goad you this morning. We grow old, we get decrepit, and we die. Speak for yourself. No, thank. That. <laughs> what we do is we grow up and we live. If if you come. You know, so, if you ever come to our Monday group and the average age is about 110. <laughs> no. <laughs> we are not growing old. We are not growing decrepit. But we will go home to be with Jesus. Yeah. And uh, I looked up this word, decrepit. It's from Latin. means it's uh, from crepe. And it means to rattle or creak. And, and, and honestly, I was, I was just, because I'm interested in words, I do this. And, uh, but I was, in, I was just uh, reminded of Ezekiel 37, the valley of dry bones. And Ezekiel prophesied to the dry bones. God said, can these bones live? And he said, thou knowest. Can these bones live? Yeah. And, the, and he prophesied to the dry bones and there was a shaking and a rattling. Nothing decrepit. Oh. 
There's nothing decrepit about God and his church. Nothing decrepit about life in the spirit. Nothing decrepit or growing old just to die. We are alive in him till our very last breath. Is that what? Is that how you live? Is that how we are? He reigns supreme and he's coming to this church to reign supreme in our hearts and lives. We pray thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I wonder what that looks like. I wonder if the, uh, the great cloud of witnesses in, in Hebrews 12 are bored. <laughs> or apathetic. Or lethargic. Well, you might say it's easy for them because they're there and not here. Let me read something to you. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 says this in the Amplified. And he raised us up together with him and made us to sit down together, giving us joint seating with him in the heavenly sphere by virtue of our being in Christ Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. That's maybe a relevant question. Where do you live from most of the time? There's no boredom in heaven. I wish, um, Lord, open our eyes that we might see life in heaven. I wonder what those clouds, I wonder about my mum and dad. Not just Isaiah and Jeremiah and Adam and, and these great heroes. Of the, I wonder what my mum and dad are doing sometimes. <laughs> and I miss them like mad. But I rejoice so much. And our beloveds who have gone before us, they're not bored. I, I, if, they, if they are looking at us, I feel they might get a bit frustrated with us as well. Come on! Come on! You've got everything you need. If God be for us, who can be against us? Come on, Jim. (laughs) There's no apathy in heaven. They are not lethargic because they know. And guess what? We can also know. If we take our seat and dwell and live from that heavenly place. Sometimes we say, (coughs) it might have been leveled at you, (coughs) excuse me, that they're so heavenly minded they're no earthly good. That's an oxymoron. That's not true. You can't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly use. Now I know what that means. But if we spend in reality and truth more time in that heavenly realm, living from that heavenly realm, we will be so earthly use that we'll change this world. Tony Blair, Theresa May, Boris Johnson are not to blame for the state of this country. You are, and I am. That's my opinion. All due respect. It's the church who are the ecclesia, called out ones of God, who should be the ruling, governing, gatekeeping people 
on earth to facilitate a transfer from heaven to this earth. That's, thank you, that's our joy and privilege and responsibility. Does he reign in your life? Have a look around. Romans 1.17 talks about us going from faith to faith. 2 Corinthians 3.18 talks about us going from glory to glory. This is an ever-increasing journey. Our inclination should be angled. Angled? Making words up. This is the angle. This is the angle we want. I want to skyrocket. I want you to skyrocket. But even if our inclination is 18 degrees, it's on the right trajectory. But some of us have flatlined. Oh, me. And and maybe some of us have not even flatlined. Maybe some of us are on the other trajectory. Going down. And God's in the house this morning saying, come up. Now, there's a place to go down in the sense of our humbling ourselves. But there's a place where he wants us to sit in those heavenly spheres and rule and reign with him from that position. I read a quote. I love quotes. Winston Churchill said this. It's a definition, not just a quote. He said, a fanatic is someone who can't change his mind and won't change the subject. I like that. I like that. I'm going to say something now. Jesus is Lord. This man's not for changing his mind. And he is the eternal subject. Honestly, that gets me so excited. Oh, I'm going to read you something. A fanatic is someone who can't change his mind and won't change the subject. If you want to be my friend, I might bore you. I might bore you because guess what? I'm not changing my mind. I'm not changing the subject. I won't change my mind and I won't change the subject. Jesus, the Christ, is the eternal subject. Christ and him crucified. The cross is the, uh, is the unchangeable event of history. And he is the eternal subject of our lives. Is he? The problem is that we do change our minds. I think by that definition, Winston Churchill, I have to say, I'm a fanatic. Are you? You see, fanaticism and extremism get, get uh, bad press. But, but maybe that's God's normal. I'm not changing my mind. My mind is fixed. Colossians 2, you don't need to put it up if you don't want Matt, it's just because the Amplified 2, 13 to 15 says this. And you, listen to this. Get this in your mind and make this your subject. Does that make sense? I think there's something in that quote that is deeper than maybe we're getting. Put these things in your mind and put them as the central subject of your life. As soon as you get up, 
when you go to bed and during your sleep. You were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, your sensuality, your sinful, carnal nature. What Tom was talking about, the idols. God brought you to life together with Christ, having freely forgiven us all our transgressions. That's a good thing not to change your mind on, isn't it? Ernie, I see what you're saying. They're a hard crowd. Having cancelled and blotted out and wiped away the handwriting of the note with its legal decrees and demands which was in force and stood against us, which was hostile to us. This note with its regulation and decrees and demands, he set aside and cleared completely out of the way by nailing it to his cross. He disarmed the principalities and powers that were raged or ranged against us and made a bold display and public example of them in triumphing over them in him and in the cross. Thank you. That's a good subject not to change your mind on. Right there. This, this, this is full of things to fix your mind on. This, is, this book is full of things to be central subjects of your life. I'm a fanatic. I'm a, I'm a fanatic. I think Jesus is the best thing since sliced bread. And beyond, and beyond, and beyond. And all that he's done for us, what does it say in Isaiah? Is it 26? Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. <coughs> Watchman Nee said this, excuse me, by the time the average Christian gets his temperature up to normal, everyone else thinks he has a fever. (laughs) There you go, there you go, penny dropped. By the time the average Christian gets his temperature up to normal, everyone else thinks he has a fever. That's That's awful. Are we tepid? Are we lukewarm? Do you know I intend to get a fever? And I, I'm going to get on your nerves, I know I am, in God. Because I'm going to get a fever. I want to be delirious. Go on. <laughs> I want to be absolutely, thoroughly infected from the top of my head to soles of my feet, with Jesus. (laughs) Completely infected with his love. (laughs) Completely infected by his spirit. Thoroughly diseased, if you will. And then I intend to be 100% contagious. Because sometimes what we're trying to do is transfer what we haven't got. And so we pray for some people and we haven't got enough of it for them to catch it. Is that right? We've been inoculated with so much religion that we've lost the power. God help us and God forgive us. Our 
temperature. This morning, God has taken my temperature and he's taken your temperature. And we might be a little bit sick on the wrong side. A little bit cool. Hypothermia. You don't test people if they've got hypothermia by holding their hands. You test it by putting your hand by putting your hand on their core. And if they're cold on their belly, they're close to hypothermia. They might have warm hands. There's plenty of activities going on in this church that you might say, oh, we're really doing well. We've got small groups. We've got a group on a Monday. We've got a worship. We've got things. We've got things going on. Our hands are warm. This morning, God wants to take our core temperature and feel how hot we are. This is, not a, this is not condemnation. This is an invitation from the Lord this morning. <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse me, bear with me. So many scriptures. And sometimes out of the abundance of the heart speaks the mouth. And uh, listen to this. I believe we have to change our language. And sometimes our language and how we say things reveals our passions. Okay. Oh dear, where are you going, Jimbo? I don't know any. Uh, Romans chapter 12. Just listen to this. This is the Amplified. So listen to the language, please, and see what your heart's saying. It's uh, 12, 9 to 11. It says this. Let your love be sincere, a real thing. Hate what is evil. Loathe all ungodliness. Turn in horror from wickedness, but hold fast to that which is good, Love one another with brotherly affection as members of one family, giving precedence and showing honor to one another. Never lag in zeal and in earnest endeavor. Be aglow and burning with the Spirit, serving the Lord. Do you hate evil? Do you loathe wickedness? These are strong words. I believe this is the language of the kingdom of God. It's not dramatic now he said something then. It's not being dramatic. It's being real. And out of that abundance of our hearts, we need to eschew and hate evil. We need to loathe wickedness. We need to turn, turn from ungodliness. Or we'll just keep going up and down on our merry-go-round and enjoying the bright lights and the music and the turning motion of religion. Two Chronicles, you know, some scriptures uh, become cliched because of overuse. Romans 8.28, for instance. And 2 Chronicles 7.14 is a little bit maybe overused. I, don't be- I, believe, I believe in revival, Ernie. I believe God wants to do something in our midst. Not just this church, not just in me, but in you and the body of Christ 
And I'm, I know some people who believe that, that revival is a, just a sovereign, I'm doing fingers here, sovereign move of God. I don't subscribe to that opinion. 2 Chronicles 7.14, which you know very well. It's one of the scriptures that you learn, isn't it, memorize. If, stop there. There you go. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will turn from their wicked ways, will seek my face, then I will heal their land. Just a vowel and a consonant. That's all it is. If. Matt, would you put up Habakkuk 3.1, please? That word there that you can't pronounce, (laughs) it's only mentioned twice in the Bible, once in Habakkuk and once in one of the Psalms. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Shiyanoth. Did I say that right? I'm glad Dave Elms is not here. He'd be laughing now. Let me read what it says in the Amplified. Habakkuk 3.1, it says, A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, set to wild, enthusiastic, and triumphal music. O Lord, verse 2, I have heard the report of you, and I was afraid. That word afraid means awe. It means respect. It means honor, reverence. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make yourself known. In wrath, earnestly remember love and pity and mercy. Shigianoth. I don't know whether that's the way you say it, but that's the way I'm saying it. I look some Hebrew translations of this, and it means to be ravished, intoxicated, to reel about through drink. When was the last time you were giddy in God? You should have said five minutes ago. You should have said this morning when I woke up. You shouldn't have said yesterday. That's just giddy in God. Is anybody getting this? Sometimes we come here on a Sunday, we're like limpets the rest of the week. We come and the tide rises at Kingsway and we hang on. Oh, a little, oh, that was nice. A little bit of fresh water there. And then Monday comes and we oh, gotta hang on to this rock. And we hang on for dear life the rest of the week. When was the sometimes we need two fast ones and a slow one to get us tipsy? <laughs> and some some of us are just about getting tipsy with the meeting, with the presence of God, and the and the meeting's ended. That's not the way forward. When were you last intoxicated with his love? When was the last time you just, he, you, an old-fashioned word, you just swooned? You just melted? You were just beside yourself? I have no other poetical language to use, but when was the last time? Amen or oh me? And this is normal. 
This is not extreme. This is not fanaticism as the world says. Can I get an amen? This is normal. This is normal life in Christ. We should, somebody said once, I won't tell you who it was, you might not like him, but he said, we need to live a drop away from being drunk. A drop. Because we need to drive cars. We need to work machinery. We need to have to do with humanity. But it takes too much to get us tipsy. It takes too much at the moment just to get us half giddy. But God wants us to be a drop away from being drunk so that when we do pray for each other or when we are in the frozen section of Tesco, that people will feel and know the fragrance of Jesus in our lives. So it will be a sweet savour of life to some. Or even death to some, it says in 2 Corinthians. Are we carrying that presence? Am I carrying that presence? Thanks, Annie. Let me just uh, give you some how-tos, if you will. Intimacy. I feel like God's breathalyzing some of us this morning. Blow into this bag. <laughs> I got breathalyzed once. It frightened the life out of me. It, the police stopped me and, and I blew into this box and I was watching the light go from green to amber to red and it stayed on green. Whew. God is breathalyzing some of us this morning and it's staying on green. There's no alcohol in your body. There's no God in, in us. Enough of that analogy. Intimacy is absolutely vital. Psalm 73 says this, verses 25 to 28. Whom have I in heaven but you? And I have no... I have no delight or desire on earth besides you. Who wrote this psalm? Asaph wrote this psalm. He was a fanatic, wasn't he? He couldn't change his mind and he wouldn't change the subject. Whom have, can you say that? Can I say that with, with truth? Whom have, whom, have, whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides Jesus. Can we say that? Is that a reality that we can get to? Why is my voice going higher? My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the rock and firm strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are from you, God, shall perish. You will destroy all who are false to you like spiritual harlots. They depart from you. Wow. Getting serious, Jim. Wow. Should we tear that out? Shall we? Should we redact that? Should we get our felt tim, our sharpies, our black sharpies and, and overcolour that? Spiritual harlots, my giddy aunt, my goodness, oh my God. Imagine that. Imagine that anyone in this body could be a spiritual harlot. That got your attention, didn't it? But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God and made him my refuge that I may tell of all your works. 
time spent drawing near to God. Dialogue rather than monologue. Thank you. Dialogue, not monologue. Too many of us are just talking to God about as if he doesn't know. Oh God, great Auntie Jane, who's a miserable sausage, you know, she went to Tesco's the other day and she lost five pounds and da 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 Amen. Are we, are we having a laugh? Oh God, you died for my Auntie Jane. She is miserable. Give her the joy of the Lord, the joy of her salvation. What are you saying, Lord? You want me to go and help her with her shopping in Tesco? Are you with me? Dialogue, not monologue. Nearly there. A land this ship. Intimacy is essential, but intentionality is also essential. If you don't plan to do it, you won't do it. We have to be intentional with what we're doing. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3 says this. If, there's that word again, a consonant and a vowel. If. If, if, we expect something to happen by osmosis. We sit in our spiritual deck chairs and soak up the sun and get a tan and think, I've changed, I'm transformed. God didn't say make Christians. He said make disciples. Are you being discipled? Are you, dis- are you discipling yourself? Are you discipling me? Are we in covenant relationship with each other so that we can do these things? Because it says if. If then you have been raised with Christ to a new life, thus sharing his resurrection from the dead, aim at. We've all got guns. We've all got desire guns, need guns, pain guns. What are we aiming at? Aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above where Christ is sitting at his right hand. Set your minds and keep them set on what is above The higher things, not on the things that are on the earth. For as far as this world is concerned, you've died. And your new real life is hidden with Christ in God. Decide and do. Aim at, seek, set, keep set on. Determination. Intimacy, intentionality and determination. Philippians 3.10, some of you know this. For my determined purpose is that I may know Christ, that I might progressively, there's the angle, the trajectory, that I might progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and clearly, and that it may in the same way come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers, and that I may so share his sufferings, you can't get away from it, I've looked, that I may share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, his death. This is a lifestyle which is lifelong. Yeah? Spiritual harlots, I feel sometimes we have one night stands with God. I'm sorry to bring that analogy to you. But that's what it's like. We just want what we want. We go after what we want. 
We give him half an hour quiet time of a morning, and that'll do for me, bad me quiet time. And we feel proud about it. Again, I say a colloquialism, are we having a laugh? And we expect different results. That's just the merry-go-round. That's just playing with bright lights of religion. That's not the extreme fanaticism that God wants us to be like. I'm going to finish now. Yeah, he says. I asked Karen to put this verse on the notice sheet. It's uh, Acts 17, 5 to 7. It says, but the unbelieving Jews were aroused to jealousy and getting hold of some, uh, some loungers and ruffians and rascals <clears throat> in the marketplace. They gathered together a mob. They set the town in uproar and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring Paul and Silas out to the people. But when they failed to find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brethren before the city authorities, crying, these men who have turned the world Upside down, I've come here also. Do you need a mandate? I want to give you one this morning. Your mandate is to turn the world right way up. Try this side. Your mandate is to turn the world right way up. Hello. Our mandate... A strong mandate from the King of Kings, from heaven, is to turn the world, starting with your world, the right way up. Not upside down like these rascals said. They turn our world upside down. What we are bringing is the right way up. Can you get that? But we've been infected by the world. We think this is normal. That's not normal. This is normal. On the inside of us, the Spirit of Christ reigning and ruling and having access in and flow through. That's normal. Jesus Christ and him crucified is normal. Eternity with him is the norm. And Jason has received them into his house and privately protected them. Listen to this. And they are ignoring and acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar. Is this sedition and rebellion against the government? Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I'm not a political animal. But we have to do things contrary, contrary to the normal flow of life. And then it says in the Amplified, they actually assert that there's another king. I love that. Actually. <laughs> they, they, how, how brazen of them. How dare they? They actually assert that there's another king, one Jesus. Imagine that. Are we asserting that there's another king? Is it our assert? That's a strong word. That's the, that's the word of God that he wants us to go into all the world and stamp our feet and put our shoulders back and fill our, chair, our chest and say, Jesus is Lord and I'm not changing my mind and I'm not changing the subject. He is Lord, and he's more than Lord, he's victorious. And if you want me to pray with you, you'll get healed, you'll get delivered, you'll get raised from the dead. That's my assertion, because I'm a fanatic. And I'm not going to change my mind, and I'm not going to change the subject. 
Yet but, yet but, yet but, yet but. We have an invitation this morning. I am convinced. I am upset by it. I am scared by it. I am excited by it. I am beside myself by it. I am in awe of his wonderful grace, how he puts up with me and gives me a second chance, a third chance, and a fifth chance. However, this is an invitation of God to say yes and to obey him. He will never leave us or forsake us. However, as most invitations are, I believe, just my opinion, speak to the pastor, this invitation is time-sensitive. There is a door or a window of opportunity for us to enter in to this, what God is calling us to enter into, however that looks. And the blue touch paper, I got this months ago. God, I saw a match and he lit the blue touch paper. That fuse, if you will. I'm not saying this time next year. I'm not saying God's in a hurry or a rush. What I am saying is there is a sense of urgency about this. And this invitation, I believe, is time sensitive. Luke 19, don't put it up. Jesus wept over Jerusalem because they missed, she missed her time of visitation. Oh me. Church, ecclesia of God, body of Christ, family of God, do not miss your time of visitation. Now is the time to be serious with God like you've never been, to be desperate and hungry and thirsty to be filled with him and all righteousness. I am done. However, I do want to give you opportunity to do something physically. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. I'm, and again, you know, if you all sit down, it doesn't bother me. I'm standing up because I need to sit in that chair to stand up to this invitation. I just want us to respond to this somehow. Even if it's you kneeling, standing, putting your hand up, but even in your heart, I believe God wants a response this morning. God wants to give us opportunity to do something, even if it's an external sign of an internal yes to his invitation so that he can see us and notice, you know, Sorry to go on a bit. Isaiah 6. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord high and lifted up. Isaiah heard a conversation between the Godhead. And it was like the three of them, the Trinity, were going, who are we going to send? Who's going to go for us? And Isaiah went, yo, that'll be me. Here am I, send me. He broke through the silence of the conversation in heaven. And God knew he was there. God wanted that response. And that's what he wants from us this morning. That's my intention is to say, don't be passing me by. I'm, I was 32 last year, 62 this year. I don't know what's ahead of me. And so now is the time to redeem the time to engage with God and begin to do the business in a new way. Amen. So I'm going to pray. If you want to respond, please respond how you want to. Thank you, Jesus.
God, please forgive us. Forgive us our lethargy, our apathy, our boredom. Forgive us for playing around. Forgive me, Lord God. Forgive us. Thank you for your grace and your long-suffering, Lord God, to me, to us individually, and to us as a body. Now, Lord, we want to take you serious, Lord God. We say yes to your invitation. Lord, come. Oh, Holy Spirit, please come. Look at us, Lord God. Read our hearts, read our faces, read our intentions, read our actions as we stand before you. And take us at our word, because we want to take you at your word. We pray that in these moments and this day and these days and weeks, Lord God, you will become radically new and different and alive to us like never before, Lord God. Lord, stare us and shake us and wake us and prompt us and prod us. Let the fire fall, Lord. Come, Lord God. Come, Lord God. Please, Lord God. We recognize your voice. We recognize part of your heart. And as for me and us in this house, we say yes. We will serve the Lord. Lord, this is a crossroads. Show us the way forward, Lord God. Spirit, soul, and body, and do it, Holy Spirit, please, because we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.